iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. Good evening, Apple Store Soho. How are we all doing tonight? All right, that side I got some woos. This side there was just nothing. I said, how are we all doing tonight? There we go. Wonderful. Well, welcome. We're very excited to have you guys here as well as our guests. It's actually a really fun time for us. We're right in the middle of Soho and uh, right in the middle of Tribeca, right? So IndieWire and Apple have partnered up to bring you guys some really, really awesome events. So the next thing I'd like to do is invite one of our friends from IndieWire, Basil, up here to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, and then we're going to kick things off. So a round of applause for Basil from IndieWire, please. Thanks, everyone. Um, uh, first of all, I just want to thank everybody at Apple, especially Suzanne. Oh, sorry, uh, for um, uh, for having us here. Uh, this is this is part of a series that we do through throughout Tribeca. Uh, it'll be going on. There's usually two or even three panels or film talks a day, uh, leading up until the very end of the festival on uh, Sunday, May second. Uh, so definitely, please make sure to check us out here again. Um, IndieWire. For those of you that don't know, it's IndieWire.com. It is a uh, website that is devoted to films, uh, industry, and fans. Uh, we do reviews. We do box office. We do a lot of different things. So check it out. I know we're starting a little bit late, so I just want to get us started. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rodrigo Garcia, Carrie Washington, and this evening's guest moderator, Donna Friedkin of USA Today. Hi, you guys. Thanks for coming out on this lovely, beautiful, sunny afternoon. Rodrigo, I have to open up by saying, how did you assemble such a cast of no-names? <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's several things. I mean, obviously the, the snowball theory, which is, you know, actors always, you know, want to know if, if they're interested in a project at all, if they're interested in the script or in the character, the who else is in it goes a long way, you know, and, um, you know, right, right off the bat, uh, you know, we went out with these three ladies, um, and we got lucky. Initially, Annette uh, couldn't do it because of dates, and that was very disappointing. And then we ended up uh, postponing because Naomi became pregnant, which we thought was auspicious given the subject matter. Plus, we had no choice. Um, but to think it was auspicious. And, uh, and we postponed. Um, but, you know, who, who's in it? You know, that, that always uh, that goes a long way. I, I've been banking on that a lot. That's his humble answer, but I think every actor that you talk to about why they wanted to do the project, they would tell you because of the material. Because everybody who read the script, immediately when we read it, we were floored by the gravity of the material, the authenticity of these characters and their lives and their humanity. The universality of, yeah. this, of this theme. Yeah. What made you want to play Lucy? Because she's such... She's really the, kind of the character in the film where I, I think so many women kind of see that reflect they, they were I don't know you know do you know what I mean like you want to have kids but you're unable and it's such a kind of a scary thing to confront and then how do you deal with that um well I I read the script with that character in mind because I it was sent to me with that uh and so I I just fell in love with her I mean I, I feel like I always know when I really want to do a film because I read it and it's almost as if the film already exists in my mind, that as I'm reading it, I can already hear it and see it and smell it, you know? And so I felt that way about Lucy and about the whole film. Rodrigo, you um, directed Things You Can Tell Just By Looking At Her, which was phenomenal. You have a way with women on screen. Has it always been that way for you? I mean, what's Only your secret? <laughs> oh, please, we're joking back there. You, you know, you're, you're surrounded by ladies in your life. 
Yeah, and I'm often, I, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, oh, you write these women so well, and I can just see my wife rolling her <laughs> eyes, saying, uh, um, uh, what was the question? How, why you have such a way with women? Uh, because very few directors write really rich roles for women. I mean, you can talk about that. Well, I mean, you know, I'm always a little embarrassed when I'm asked that, and I think I'm asked that because I'm a guy. You know, I think there's a lot of women directors who write very well for women, and that, you know, that's just taken to be par for the course. You know, I, uh, um, you know, I, I look at movies by, by Campion or Sofia Coppola or, or Nicole Holofsen or Cholodenko, and, I, you know, I envy those characters, and I... You know, I, they do things that, that I wish I could do. But, you know, with respect to me, I'm interested. You know, I, I like women. You know, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, in how I imagine they work and feel and think. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I'm not a woman. I don't know how they work and feel and think. But I have a, I have a vivid imagination with respect to, uh, you know, what might be. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll see a waitress or an old lady in an airport or a girl of 12 with her friends at the mall and it just sparks something in me that, uh, that I'm curious. You know, it's a world that interests me. It's exotic for me. Well, what about the specific world appeal to you? About this whole kind of the, the, the ties of motherhood and adoption and, and parenting? Well, originally, it wasn't really about parenting or adoption. I was interested in, you know, people who for some reason live apart from, from a loved one. You know, people who through, you know, a divorce or separation or war or death or whatever sort of live their life obsessed by someone else, you know. Uh, and, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the most, you know, the most fundamental link and see what happens if a mother and child are separated at the baby's birth. And one of the reasons I made uh, Karen 14 was because I didn't want her to have a say, you know. So it wasn't, it wasn't a problem of, of a... She never, she never made an informed decision. It was forced upon them. And... Um, and uh, how the two of them, you know, I always knew I would pick up the story 35 years later, how the two of them had fared, you know, living separated, not knowing a thing about the other, and sort of having each other as a ghost in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that was the point of departure. And then I wanted a third uh, storyline, which is the storyline of Lucy, whom Carrie plays, uh, you know, once, once the, the, the themes of motherhood and adoption had been introduced by those first two characters, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I need a third storyline that just sort of deals with this head-on as a counterpoint. And then, of course, the journey to bring them together. But to answer your question, it, it wasn't so much about motherhood as it was about living with the ghost of an absent person in your life. And, and I came to think of that baby that Lucy dreams of mm -hmm. as the same. That baby is that absent person that Lucy mm -hmm. cannot live without. And Carrie, in terms of Lucy, what, what about her appealed so much to you? Um, that's a good question. She was kooky. Yeah, kind she, of. You like to bake. <laughs> yeah. I, um, no, I really, I, I felt like there was something very um, funny mm -hmm. about Lucy. I liked the idea of playing a woman who was in so much pain and yet who... Um, when I read her, she seemed funny to me, and and I liked that dichotomy. And and I just liked that that the journey for her was very much about letting go and and becoming sort of coming to terms with the reality of her life. Are you as tenacious as she, as she is, or she, as she proves to be? I should say. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think so. You are tenacious. Yes. 
I think you know uh, there were there were things in in Lucy that I didn't know even after I'd written her and we were going into production, and uh, I, I learned from you know the way Carrie approached her and just you know um, the first couple scenes that that that, I, that we did and just seeing how she, you know Lucy dressed and spoke and related to her husband, uh, I thought uh, oh she's a perfectionist she's a real perfectionist and she sees her inability to have a baby as a personal flaw and and it's unacceptable to her did you play her just as she was written or did you develop her at all i, I don't I, I mean i think to be honest it was all on the page for all of us we the characters are so rich and then we just tried to make the best choices based on what was written so it doesn't say anywhere in the script that she's a perfectionist but that was sort of to me, evident from the journey and, and how incapacitated she was by this detail of her life. To me, I thought, oh, okay, this is a person who has always had things go her way, and somebody who's always had things go their way is because they've made it go their yeah. way, and so now she's faced with something that can't be the way she imagined it, and it's rocking her whole universe. What was the dynamic on set like? I mean, were you guys just all... The subject matter is so heavy. Was it, was it light? Was it kind of more intense? I, I, you know, I, I feel that if it's, it was heavy for me is because you're always working with that thing, are we going to get our day? Mm -hmm. You know, these, these movies are always in that pinch with budget, which translates into schedule. Um, I, don't, I, I don't feel like the subject matter, you know, m made it heavy on the set. I mean, I'm sure some scenes might have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly, you know, everyone, certainly, uh, you know, Carrie and Naomi are uh, naughty girls and they, they keep it fun, I have to say. Um, you know, I, you just have that stomach ache, are we going to get our day? I yeah. mean, it's very, it's very, un, uh, it's very uh, you know, uh, unsexy. It's just the grind. No, but go back to the naughty girls part. Well, you know, they, uh, I, I think, uh, would you say that about you and Naomi? They are, they are communicators, and uh, they, uh, they have a great sense of humor, and I think they, they're both girls' girls and boys' girls. You know, they get along with everyone, so it was, it was good. Good presence on the set. Uh, Annette, too, but these two are their own department. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Rodrigo says there was a... Cr we would have never known that he felt that pressure of schedule and budget because I would describe the set as very warm, you know, as very conducive to everybody doing their best, which is, you know, the great directors know that they're working on a set filled with experts. Every person who runs a department is a great person at what they're doing, and great directors let those people do their best and encourage them to do their best. And that's how I felt on set. That's how everybody felt. Like, we all felt very safe and encouraged and supported. And you also, you know, something we do a lot of and sometimes actors don't see it is when the actors are not on the set, we're running at 200 miles an hour. And when people, when the, you know, the AD says, you know, actors are coming in, everyone, everyone turns into <laughs> slow motion. So, you know, so the actors get this sense that, oh, isn't this just very relaxed? And the moment they leave, it's chaos again. So, yeah, well, for that's part of, of the work. For each of you, what was the biggest challenge in making this film? Uh, you know, the script for me is always the, the hardest step. Um, you know, in this case, it took me almost 10 years. I mean, that's you know, going from, uh, from idea to finding a way to dramatize the idea, because sometimes an idea is just an idea, but it's not a story. Mm -hmm. You know, you're now 
you know, you don't have a clear sense yet of what, how the characters are going to move through the story or, you know, uh, how it's going to play out. Um, and I feel that once, you know, the script is to any extent successful, then you have a great chance of getting good actors. And if you get good actors, you're 80% home, mm -hmm. believe me. So, I mean, for me, again, production is, is grueling because it's, you know, we're always behind or always about to be behind. Um, and also because it's very, uh, it's very socially intensive. You know, you just, you're in a room with 50 people all day for weeks and that's exhausting. Um, but the script is always the killer for me. Um, I guess maybe on a, on a film like this, there, you're, you have to move so quickly that there's not enough time for rehearsal and kind of slow exploration of the material. And I mean, like we shot the love scene on my first day. So it's like, hi, it's nice to meet you. Take your clothes off. So it's always, uh, that's always weird and challenging. But I, you know, we're actors, we're, even people say, oh my God, the material's so challenging and so difficult and... I feel like we actors are strange people. We're the only people who sit at home waiting for somebody to give us a reason to feel miserable, you know? So it was, it was a delight. Every day was so... I mean, I, I love my job, and to be trusted with material like this was just a dream come true. And I have to ask you, did you... Who came up with uh, Lucy's wardrobe? Because the wardrobe is so much a part of who she is. Was that how you, you had written it? Or was, did you have a it hand in that? It wasn't written at all. I mean, I think... Um, I mean, I may have had a very general conversation with, uh, uh, with Susie DeSanto. Our, but it, I think it really came out of your first meeting with her, right? The two of you cooked it up? Yeah, and I had worked with Susie before on a film um, called The Dead Girl, where I played literally a crack whore. So <laughs> it was really fun for Susie you and I to let go. That happen again. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Susie and I thought, okay, now what's on the other side yes. of that coin? Um, so it was fun for us to clean me up a bit, like in the very preppy. You know, yeah, I, I, I actually yeah. remember Crew getting. I wasn't part of that meeting, but I remember getting the photographs that evening or the next day, and it was precisely that little preppy sweater that I thought, oh yeah, this this is her for sure. I had to have pearls. I was like, I of must course. have pearls. Any like self-respecting perfectionist. Exactly. Clearly. Did you, and I know I asked you about this backstage, but in terms of like the movie is so vanity free. I mean, everyone has scenes where they look. Horrible things. No, 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 no not Thanks. horrible. Not, actually, not at all. They look, <laughs> they look human. Like they're, yeah. you know, they're not like lit from, from above with the right. soft lighting and the perfect makeup. They actually look like that's what you look like when your baby wakes you up at three yeah. in the morning and you're freaking out. Did you, did you have to bribe them to do this or no, buy each, you know, each of them no, a car? I, I th like what? No, I think everyone, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Lucy's al almost always very put together. Um, she does have a couple of scenes of, of collapse and abandon. But no, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, no. I mean, uh, everyone just uh, thought, was doing what, what they thought was right for it. You know, I think also Naomi, who plays Elizabeth, is mostly put together in, in her scenes. But yeah, she also has scenes where she uh, falls apart. I mean, it's tricky. I, you know, I'm thankful that, that they're able to do this. I mean, as happy as I am to use, you know, great actors who are also stars, you know, I'm always a little nervous that, you know, the stars are too likable, too beautiful, too magnetic for roles. It, it doesn't matter in the end. I mean, if, if the, you know, they're actors and they, they communicate great things and it's very much worth it. Um, but yeah, I'm thankful that everyone wasn't, you know, beautified in every scene. And was that scene tough for you to shoot? 
kind of her last scene with where her mother sets her straight? I don't want to give it all away, but... Yeah, no. Again, I mean, I, I loved working with Esapetha Merrickson. I mean, she's somebody who I have respected and admired for a long time. So it was fun. It was really, really fun. And I think nobody... When you read a script that is this honest you don't want to violate the integrity of the project by worrying about your lipstick. I mean, it's, you, you, you feel like you have a responsibility mm -hmm. to be as real to the material as you know the material is. And so, again, I would credit Rodrigo with that. That, that clapping back there was for the iPad. It wasn't for us. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. And the iPad is very hot, oh. so, you know, <laughs> I gotta say. Not that you guys aren't. But. <laughs> Well, how, how tough is it to get a movie like this made? Because I read an interview with one actress recently who said it's easy to get the $200 million ones made and easy to get the, the, the really tiny ones made, but nothing in between. Well, you know, I think, I think the problem is, you know, it, it's uh, anytime you're making an adult drama or even a drama with humor, you know, these are movies that the studios used to make. Mm -hmm. um, you know, movies like, uh, you know, even period pieces like Merchant Ivory or movies like... Um, ordinary people, mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, drama used to be made by studios. Now they don't make them. You know, they don't, they don't find them potentially as profitable as the big tent poles or the movies for young people. So, you know, now a lot of these movies are what we call, you know, indies, art house, specialty. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's very hard to make. Um, you know, it's, uh, they, you know, they, I guess the, the studios feel that they don't attract that core audience, you know, which is the 19-year-old boy that sees a movie four times. Um, so it's tough, you know, even, even with this cast, you know, we were, we were running around uh, looking for money till the bitter end. And Carrie, what about for you? I mean, obviously your career's going great. You're on Broadway right now, and thanks for racing over here from Broadway in the rain. That was awesome. But um, what is it like for you? I mean, how many roles are there? And what... what what are the pickings like, so to speak? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't... Uh, that's such a weird question for me because I, I don't... I think I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I've, I've been really lucky in my career. Um, but I, it's not like I'm sitting at home surrounded by scripts going, yes, no, no, yes. Um, so I, I, I know something really special when I read it because it doesn't come across very often and that was how I felt about this script. I mean, I, I called my agents and I was like, who do I have to kill to be in this movie? And they were like, no, 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 they sent it for you. And I was like, no, who do I have to kill? Because I just, I kind of couldn't believe that, that, this, that I had read this magical mm -hmm. piece of uh, dramatic literature. So. Well, what did you take away from playing her? Um, what did I take away from playing her? It, it was all very fast, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, How it was... How was the shoot, actually? The shoot was, like, five and a half weeks or wow. so. Um, but I, I think you must have worked for, what, two or three weeks? Yeah, it was because all... it was, like, shooting three separate films. That was kind of how we shot. And there were a few days where more than one of us would be on set on the same day. Like, for example, the day when we did hospital scenes, because I had scenes in a hospital, Naomi had scenes in a hospital, but we... We, for the most part, were shooting three different movies, um, which was fun, and, and it made seeing the film for the first time really fun. Um, but I guess, if, if anything, I took away... Um, I think the film, to be really honest, has, has really forced me to think more about w the role that motherhood plays in my life, both being 
you know, a woman who has to decide if I'm going to be a mother, but also being a daughter with a relationship to a mother. And so that was a very rich process for me to, to be able to look at, at how those issues play out in my own life. I was very grateful for that process. And could you understand Lucy's like intense desire to have that baby? No, I mean, I don't, I did not relate to Lucy's desire to have a baby in that way. I'm not a mother. I have never tried to be a mother. Um, but I do know what it's like to want something very badly and to feel like it's not in my control. So. Okay, we have a couple of uh, microphones here, so if you have a question, just raise your hand and we'll and try to get to you. Please keep the questions the fi- about the film or filmmaking. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Hi, um, this is for Mr. Garcia. Um, with so Mr. Many- Garcia, honey, <laughs> did you hear that? Make, take note. Si, senor. Working with so many, you know, the actors and the characters, how do you keep that contained, you know, when you're writing the script? You know, just trying to not develop one more than the other well that's i mean it's not easy but that's the work of the script you know is is trying to keep you know everything on track you know um keeping the focus of uh, you know it, it takes a while even when you're writing a script I, I think it it takes a while till you find out isolate what are the, th- the 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 themes that interest you and once you locate the themes then you measure everything against them you know you you don't invent new characters that you don't need you, 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 know, you try to stay close to the central idea of the script um, and then not get repetitive. So I, I don't have a good answer, but that's a great deal of the work when you're writing, you know, is, is how can I make this richer, more complicated, have more characters, but not have more characters than I need, that I, they just, you know, are, are not a part of the story. But yeah, that's, that's, that takes a lot of work. I mean, that's, not, that's the hard part. And actually, I wanted to ask you real quick. Your stories, your films always interconnect. Like, do you start out at the end, like knowing how, how, what the connection is going to be and then work backwards? Or do you just kind of let it come to you from the beginning? No, I mean, you know, obviously the initial idea for a movie can be something very simple. Like I said before, you know, two women who dream of each other who have never met. But I don't start writing till I figure out really what the bones, you know, the basic structure is, what the, the major plot points are, what the final scene is, and also I need to know whether the story happens in a day, a week, five years, you know, I, I need that, that, that time frame. Um, these are hard rules that I break all the time, and when I do, I, you know, I pay for it. So I try to, you know, yes, have, have a final scene that I'm shooting for. We have a question on your left hand. Hi. I have a question about this moment when you're filming that collapse and abandon. Can you talk about that as an actor when you're getting ready for those moments and also as a director, how you create that space when you have to go back in and say, okay, I know you just died a little bit. Take two. Um, You know, I I think... um, you're referring to a scene that I don't want to give anything away, but you know Lucy has a a, a, a a big disappointment that follows with a big emotional outburst on her part. That's you know physical also. Um, um, you know you you try. I, I don't think you you don't want to rehearse. You know as far as I'm concerned, uh, Carrie's going to come in and I show her what the general space is. You know I'll say things like, okay, you're coming from over here. And these are the people that will be here. 
and then this is the space where it all happens. Um, and I talked to the cameraman about being prepared to, you know, light that space, and, and to the operators also. I spoke to the cameraman was operating one camera, and uh, uh, I also spoke to the other operators who was she was operating the other. And you know, you try to give space, and and also try to get the whole scene to play out. You know, you don't want to ask an actor to to um, to break it up into parts so that you have to cry here and cry. I mean, sometimes you do, but you try not to. We also had two cameras. So basically what we're doing is, you know, a prepping, setting the stage so Carrie can come in and do it, not just once, because that's tough, but I don't think we did it more than four or five times. Um, so yeah, how it's shot is, is also, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm thinking how I need it to look, but I also want to do it in a way that she can just come in and do it. Um, and then <laughs> I think I think communication is a big part of it because I think when you have a director where you can say what's the plan what are we doing then you can kind of figure out what your pacing needs to be and um, and when you trust that the operators around you are all doing their jobs so that you can just focus on yours um, I don't know especially on independent films there's such a sense of teamwork of like we all want this to to be exactly what Rodrigo wants it to be. And so let's all talk about it, make sure we know what's going on. Um, and then, to be honest, it's not, like I don't, I don't have a simple way of answering that question. I mean, I, I find that um, every character requires different tools from my toolbox, you know? And so part of my responsibility as an actor is to keep working on my toolbox and one of the tricky things I'm finding about being an actor is that um, my instrument keeps changing. You know, it's not like learning to play the piano where, you know, if I'm a piano, my keys are constantly moving around. So what makes me happy and what makes me sad or what triggers a certain response in me is constantly changing as I change as a person. So it takes a lot of kind of being honest with myself about what are the places within me that connect to the truth of this character and how can I best bring out that part of me that relates to where she's at and let the rest of it fall away without judgment, you know? And to just sort of really ask myself where, where are there places that I can meet her um, with my own truth? So. Also, uh, just the one thing, not letting too much time go by between takes because you don't want the actor to get cold, to get tired, to get in their own head. So it's like, okay, let's go right away. And also the other actors. I mean, I, we, we got, I got to work on this film with an actress that I have worshipped for years, Cherry Jones. And I mean, she, I just think she's dreamy. And so to have her in that scene with me was incredible. And Esapetha as well. Like they, they were so in the reality. And all of the actors, the actors who played the cop and the actor, everybody was so in it that it, that it was, it was, I felt very supported in the suspension of anything that had nothing to do with that moment, you know? Also, another thing for not rehearsing is, you know, I, I, I know that, I, I suspect that Carrie's going to come in and blow up or implode in a way that the actors, especially the supporting actors and the extras, don't know. So I don't rehearse so that when we shoot and it happens, they're like, oh, shit. Do you know what I mean? They, the, the, the surprise is real, 
because I, I'm not telling them how hot the scene is going to be. You know, I just, I just say, okay, let's shoot it. So it's a real surprise for the supporting people in the background. And when you, uh, this is the last end, but when you, the other thing is oh, when I you, wanted to have the last one. <laughs> when you, when you are talking a lot about theme and, and when you're really clear about who this person is, you can also surprise yourself. So for example, there's a moment where, you know, the way we had rehearsed it, it was something was going to happen and then it was going to end. And that was what my understanding of what, was gonna, what it was going to be. But in the moment while we were doing it, I thought, fuck that. She, she doesn't give up on anything. This whole movie is about not giving up. I'm not going to give up. And so there's another wave of it that was never talked about, that wasn't rehearsed. And, and you can see everybody reacting. Oh, really? The, that second part? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the second yeah. part came out of the, of, out of the first take, practically. Mm -hmm. So and so that's that's fun. That's fun when you when the material is so good and, and everybody's so in the reality of this uh, situation that you surprise yourself is so fun, you know. Hi, Mr. Garcia, you've paid your dues, you've worked your way up, you've got an amazing body of work, and I imagine there's still challenges in getting a project started. What would be your advice for a first-time screenwriter, uh, like the bare bones, like who do you send the script to? You know, if you, if you want to get that script read, I mean, I know that people are inundated by scripts. I mean, do you send it to the agent? Do you send it to a production company? I, I, I would say, you know, I don't know what this, if you're talking to Barasco in particular, I would say, and this might sound cold, get out of a mental mode where there's a person out there who's going to make your career happen for you. If you can write this script, write one that can be made for $100,000. And you'll find actors, because they go to good material. Now, you might also send it, you know, find an agent. I mean, there's many ways. But I think, you know, it's, it's especially now, you know, before, making a movie was very expensive. Film, lab, all this stuff. Now you can make, you know, a beautiful-looking movie or, or a movie that's a look, uh, with an appropriate look with a camera that costs a few hundred dollars and you edit it in your computer. Um, it's not cost-free, but it's extremely cheap. So I, I would encourage everyone, anyone to get out of that, you know, it's not gonna happen for me till so-and-so answers my phone call. They're not going to. I mean, I'm not being bleak, I'm just saying, you know, uh, you know, help, you know, God helps those who help themselves, isn't that, isn't that, uh, what people say if they believe no <laughs> that's what lucy would say i believe that i hope that wasn't too bleak an answer i just you know there's always someone out there that you think oh if i met with such a person they're trying to meet with that other person okay a couple more questions um, uh all right whoa Hello. Um, when you're going through the writing process, how do you stay focused as far as um, continuing? Like you said, it took you 10 years. Was that a literal 10 years or, or is it just such a drawn out process? Well, a literal 10 years, but I did a lot of stuff while I was doing that. Um, how do you stay focused? It's, you know, you don't and then you do and then... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't start writing till I was in my mid to late 30s, so I, I don't have, you know, I'm bad with, with the discipline, with the chops, with the just sit down and do it. I, I've been talking this week 
coincidentally with a couple of journalists who want to become screenwriters. And journalists traditionally have transitioned well um, because they're, just, they're used to just delivering it. Write it for tomorrow. Don't be precious. Get it done. Reach the last word. Reach the last page. Um, you know, there's no secret. It's equally hard for anyone who writes, you know, that discipline. And now they've invented this thing from hell called the Internet, which is a click away. Just with a click, you can move away from your page and into the world. And it's just a nightmare. It's, you know, so if, I, if you want one, one tip, write where you don't have Internet, you know. Hi, Ms. Garcia. Pleasure. I just had a question in regards to, uh, you were talking, and uh, you as well, Carrie, uh, talking about working with such little rehearsal um, and, of course, working with such little budget on a film like this and uh, not knowing where it's going to go and the limit to the, uh, the scheduling and whatnot. You obviously had minimum amount of days to, to work with this. I imagine it was hard to keep focus and, uh, and work under that kind of pressure, and I guess I'm a asking if there's any advice to, into dealing with that kind of pressure from whether it be a studio or even uh, the financial situation of not wanting to go over budget, uh, something of the sort. Well, I'll, I'll answer the second part first. I mean, the movie was financed independently, and you know, uh, we were very lucky. You know, the, uh, the the company that financed it, Everest Entertainment, you know, gave us all complete freedom. So I didn't. You know, the discipline from not going over budget is because you don't want to spend more than you have. You know, you don't you don't want to. Uh, you know, you, 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 you know, I made a deal with, and Julie, my producer, and you know, we made a deal with this entity that was financing, and we wanted to honor it. You know, we don't, you don't know if later in post-production you might need more money to actually fix something major in your film. So you don't know, but so while you're shooting, you try to exercise as much discipline as you can, you know. These movies are made very cheaply. It's still a whole bunch of money to a regular person. Um, with respect to rehearsing, we, we didn't rehearse. We didn't rehearse, I, I'm not a big fan of rehearsal, I don't come from the theater. You know, uh, uh, Carrie was saying, you know, her toolbox and, you know, her, 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 her instrument and, you He rolls you know. his eyes. Well, I don't roll my eyes at all. <laughs> In fact, I'm intimidated by it because I don't know that. You know, I was a cameraman before and I, I started writing and, but I don't, I don't know how actors work in the sense of, you know, I would be too scared to deconstruct something and then build it up again the way you do in theater or the way many directors do who like to rehearse and they do it beautifully. Um, you know, I'm scared to answer questions. I don't think we had more than maybe a couple of phone conversations about Lucy, if at all. Mm -hmm. And we had read-throughs of the three sections of the movie with each cast but the Lucy section, no one was available, so we never had it. So I never heard Carrie do the lines till it was there on the first day, naked, with an actor that she just met. <laughs> Not me naked, luckily, but, um, but no. So I don't know what's it like to work without rehearsing. It's it's fun if you you know. It just means you you have to be more responsible. You have to be more responsible for your homework. You have to be you know. It's it's sort of like what Mr. Garcia was saying about, I, I should be Ms. Washington, by the way, not Mr. Garcia and Carrie. 
But um, but, <laughs> but it um, just kidding. It means they consider you a young person. That's oh, all it means. Carrie, it is then. Um, <laughs> thanks, Rod. Um, so <laughs> I think I think you have to be more responsible for for your material for your. You have to come in being an adult and not expecting somebody to tell you what to do. Um, and that's, on, on a film like this, everybody comes ready. You know, I've been on film sets where, you know, the big studio films, I've watched an entire movie in my trailer during a camera setup. You know, that's, and that's a different process. And I don't, you know, sometimes that's not very conducive to good acting either. Um, so... I, th I think it's great when you, when you, when everybody's committed to the process. There's a great level of spontaneity, and um, you just have to make sure everybody's prepared and ready to go. I, I, I tell you something that I don't say much, but you know, I, you, I'm sure you can suspect it. One of the best things about having a lot of good actors in your movie is that you know everyone wants to bring their best game. You know, that's just par for the course. The question: Who else is in it? Which encourages actors also becomes something to mm -hmm. think about when you're on the movie. I mean, I don't, I'm not being, trying to be silly, but it's encouraging, no, it's, right? It's you true, wanna... especially when you're working opposite like a theater genius like Cherry Jones. That's you right. You can't show up Just like not knowing your Just being in a movie with Annette Bening yeah. is like, what am I going to do, suck in a movie with Annette Bening? That is not an option. You know what I mean? She's a hero of mine. So what, what am I going to do? Be lazy? No way. You know? We have time for one more question. Okay. So our last question is over here to your guys' right. Hi, uh, two questions. Um, Mr. Garcia, do, um, what are your biggest differences uh, between writing for television and film and your biggest challenges? And Carrie, um, do you look forward to going back to the theater all the time? I'm sorry, Miss Washington. Um, <laughs> is it, do you look forward to having the choice to go back to the theater all the time? If Hollywood basically said you never have to go back to the theater again, would you would you still choose to continue to go back to you, back and act in a theater? Yeah, I actually, I mean, I, um, to be honest with you, doing theater is an agent's worst nightmare when their client decides to do theater because it, it basically means that for months I have been unable to make them big gobs of money on a studio film and I'm making nothing on Broadway. So it, it is in many ways an, an agent's worst nightmare. And I didn't, um, so I had to be very vocal and very proactive consistently saying to them, I want to go back and do a play. I need to go and do some theater. I'm feeling very far from where I started as an actor and feeling a little lost, actually. And I, I really, really want to get back on a stage. Um, so, and I had to say that many, many times to them. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, it, I, I fell in... I, how I felt in rehearsals was that I felt like, you know when you hear about those couples who a therapist says, like, go away on vacation and figure out why you first fell in love? Like, that's how I felt when I started rehearsals for this play, because I fell in love with acting for theater. And so it was like going back to the beginning of the relationship and, and having a new respect for my love. No. Uh, regarding the TV, you know, I've done r mostly directing for TV. I did, I did, uh, I did work as a showrunner on In Treatment, but In Treatment was based on an Israeli format that was already beautifully written, and it worked very well. We did adapt it to some extent, you know, to to an American world and to American actors, but uh, 
you know, and it's work. It's always work, and you always try to make it better. And but um, but I have not, you know, most of my work has been directing episodic or directing for pilots. I mean, even with the template of the Israeli series for in treatment, I found being a showrunner, which is basically being the head writer, incredibly grueling. I mean, I cannot imagine what it's like when you're actually creating new storylines week to week, you know, for 22 one-hour episodes. I mean, I, I, I don't know how any of those guys who do 24, you know, even with a great team of writers, how they have a life. Um, so it seems like it's incredibly taxing. I honestly would be too scared to do it. Uh, directing TV is fun, you know. I get to direct things that I normally wouldn't write and visit worlds that I wouldn't write for myself, you know. Uh, Six Feet Under and Big Love, Carnival, uh, you know, these are not worlds that I would have ever imagined for myself or being able to write. So as a director, it's fun and it keeps me, uh, you know, keeps me learning. I do scenes that I would never write for myself, sometimes with actors that I'm not particularly fond of, though not generally, since, you know, a lot of the actors in this series were great. Um, and also this, this thing just to deliver, you know, you've got these pages and you just have to deliver the day. Just get it done. What counts in this scene? Look at performances. And all this within the tone of the series. You're not doing anyone a favor if you come in to reinvent the series. You, you can do it well or you can do it badly. But even when you do it well, you want to do it within the tone of the series. So, you know, it's, it's, in some ways it's not as satisfying as directing something that I wrote personally. But just from, a, from my uh, craft point of view, it's great to visit, you know, to be a visiting director. Thank you guys so much, and thank you. Thank you. Guys, keep it going for Rodrigo Garcia, Kerry Washington, and Donna Freak from the PSA today. And don't forget, stick around. This is Tribeca. We have events happening all the time. In fact, in just a few short minutes, we're going to have Meet the Filmmaker with director Matt Whitecross and Andy Serkis of Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll coming up in just a few minutes, so do not run. You're not going to want to miss it. Also, guys, throughout the rest of the festival, don't forget our website, apple.com forward slash retail forward slash Tribeca for all information regarding the Tribeca Film Festival and what's happening here. And now, even also on your mobile device, if you have an iPod Touch or an iPhone, you can download the free Tribeca Film Festival app. It's actually really neat. You can take a look at it right here. The app will allow you to see all the upcoming workshops, events, not just at the Apple Store, but throughout the entire festival. You'll be able to see a complete schedule and choose and select all the ones that you're interested in and build your own itinerary for the week. So it's really neat. It's free. It's available on iTunes now. Thank you very much. And remember, in just a few short minutes, we have another amazing event.